Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. See, I thought it was a classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our true. show. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and his brother. New episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for fans with a life, is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is the 430 movie. And welcome to Gun Fu Week. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, this should be like this giant graffiti covered lo- logo that smashes the screen, and some like huge, like gunshot goes Gun Fu Week. Because, of course, Gun Fu, <laughs> Gun Fu uh, as Steve is going to tell us, is kind of the, 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 uh, gun version of martial arts movies. But um, before I, I have Steve explain to us what our interpretation <laughs> of gun fu actually is, I want to welcome our 430 movie hosts on Monday. Uh, you've already heard his name mentioned. You're in awe, Stephen Melching. <laughs> I got a full clip and I'm ready to go. On Tuesday, it's the legendary Darren Art Docterman. Hi. <laughs> on Wednesday, it's the very odd Ashley Edward Miller. We're going to need more guns. <laughs> and <laughs> on uh, Thursday, of course, this is uh, Marky Altman. And uh, this is our penultimate episode of the season. Don't cry. I hear somebody out there in the dark crying. <laughs> but uh, but don't cry. As uh, as the, the great Guns N' Roses once said, don't cry. It's going to be okay. We are coming back. 
Oh, I thought you were doing a Buckaroo Bonsai thing. I was, and then I switched to Guns N' Roses. I was totally doing Buckaroo Bonsai. In fact, I showed Buckaroo Bonsai to um, Isaac uh, uh, last week, and he loved it. Oh, wow. He he doesn't know why the watermelon's doing there either. Um, (laughs) Although not as much as he loved Independence Day, which we watched yesterday. Well, there you go. You know, really, he he loved it. So we watched that yesterday, and uh, we've been doing, you know, a whole sci-fi whole sci-fi marathon so it's uh um, wait 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 you're showing isaac science fiction films go figure yes <laughs> whoa i'm not forcing that I, he's a, he he wants to watch this stuff what can i say it's interesting for me to go back and watch these beloved movies of uh because a lot of them i haven't watched in a long time like logan's yeah. run we want you know i haven't watched logan's run in a long time i haven't yeah. either me yeah. neither and um, uh it hasn't changed does it still have uh, plankton and sea greens? And oh, it sure does. The sea? <laughs> when we do Roscoe Lee, we- <laughs> Roscoe Lee Brown week, it's going to be great. It's my pick. Roscoe I'm, I'm, I'm squatting on it now. 430 movie. Grace Whitney, Roscoe Lee Brown. <laughs> but we're not doing Pratt We're not doing Whitney. that this week. We're doing Gun Fu week. And before I ask Steve to explain to us in detail what Gun Fu is, <laughs> I want to I want to say a very happy birthday to Mr. Tuesday himself, the great Darren R. Docterman just celebrated another year, you know, surely the best of times, as we were told. Yes, uh, by, don't call me Shirley. And uh, <laughs> and so happy birthday, Darren. Thank you. I I feel uh, I feel about the same, but uh, I don't feel older. So that's good. You don't feel young as when the world was new? No, I do not. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's like every, that's the goal. everyone else keeps getting older, but I feel the same age. That's right. All yeah. right. And that's because right, you're right. dazed and confused, Steve. <laughs> or is that Ashley? Uh, <laughs> you know, Ash have, has your uh, copy of um, Cloak and Dagger and 4K UHD arrived yet? Uh, it has not, but I am counting down the days. I, I just read a review and uh, in the, I think it was Blu-ray.com. They said it's great. They said it's great. Uh, a great disc. Now, so, in the review, did they did they mention that that the resurgent resurgence in interest uh, in cloak and dagger can be directly attributed to this podcast? Uh, they did not mention <laughs> that, although that would largely be true. And I have a feeling when we do do Dabney Coleman week, it'll just be off the hook. People will and, just and we, I can't wait till Gerald McRaney week myself. <laughs> Gerald McRaney, you know, I worked with uh, <laughs> with <laughs> with back on. Uh, on Agent X. And, now, which um, one did he play, Simon or Simon? He played, He definitely <laughs> played Simon. <laughs> I, ha- I have to say, a lot of people did not get along with old Mac because, you know, he's been doing this for a long time and he knows this sh- his shit better than anybody. But I got along with him after we had our first fight. Because after I stood up to him, everything was great. That's good. We got along great. And I was a huge fan of Deadwood. So, uh and he was great in Deadwood and we loved him and we wrote great stuff for him. And then we, we had these great scenes. He with Fred Dreyer and him, it was like writing a Simon and Simon meets Hunter. So wow. some of the most fun I ever had in this business was doing sitting there three in the morning, watching Fred Dreyer and Gerald McGraney do scenes together that we wrote. It was, it was, it was a hoot. One of, one of my good friends, a fellow animation writer was uh, a cast member on major dad. She played one of the children on that show. And so worked with him for many years. He's really good. He's a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
he, you know, when you think about, you know, how many different things that he's been in, it's kind of like, well, but I, I knew Jonathan Banks is a fantastic actor, but, you know, it's like, you know, obviously we're, we all love him in the Breaking Bad CU cinematic universe, but, right. um, you know, obviously I was a huge fan of his from Wise Guy before. And of course he played all these villains like, um, and he's also in, in Buckaroo Bonds. I was just getting to that. <laughs> yeah, he played all these villains. I always remembered him from like Beverly Hills Cop and stuff, you know, but. I couldn't believe rewatching Bucker. But I'm like, oh, my God, it's Jonathan Banks. And the funny thing is, my son was like, no, it's the guy from Community because he was in Community. And I'm like, no, it's Jonathan Banks from Wise Guy. This is so cool. Love that Jonathan Banks. So anyway. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, OK, so we're here for our penultimate episode. I want to remind you uh, that. uh the, the, the 430 movie host fun continues because, of course, uh, we'll be at Starship Smackdown at San Diego Comic-Con on Sunday. The uh, We're not giving away anything because obviously everyone knows our panel closes out Comic-Con every year. Um, and so we'll all be there with some special guests. And um, it'll be the 20th anniversary of the great Starship Smackdown. 20 years we've been doing this nonsense. My so, God, next year it'll be able to drink legally. <laughs> like many of the people on the panel yes. uh, I, I still um, remember that panel when not one but two audience members brought bottles of uh, liquor oh, to the stage that yeah, was the that, best I, I feel like that was the same was that the same year that uh, that Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, weighed in on the beauty I don't know but I do I know it was so. the year I got the call from Comic Con saying Mark we love you guys this cannot happen again <laughs> We didn't ask for it. It just, it just happened. happened. I, I know. And they were very understanding. In no way were they being jerks. They were just saying, these damn the rules. It's like when, and then I got that call to, a couple years later when Chris Gossett was throwing cookies into the crowd. Yes. It's like, Mark, we love you guys. This can't happen again. The answer is to throw bottles into the crowd. No, the answer is for Chris Gossett to throw cookies to the panelists. That's right. You get the Miss Fields cookies. I like those cookies. Good. It's good. It's good cookies. cookies. Ashley can't have them. He doesn't eat gluten. Mm, No (laughs) sugar. Well, there you go. You can't have those cookies. (laughs) So two two cookies for the rest of us. Okay, so Gun Fu, Steve Melching, tell us what Gun Fu is. Well, I, I think of Gun, gun Fu, it's a portmanteau of, you know, gunfighting and kung fu. Uh, it's a, uh, a style of filmmaking that uh, came out of uh, the Hong Kong cinema of the 80s, uh, where uh, gunfights had sort of become boring and passe uh, in film. Audiences really didn't care. So uh, directors started to find ways to make them more interesting by combining elements of Kung Fu and dance and ballet and, and uh, more expressive camera work, uh, creating a, a gunfight that is sort of fantastical and hyper real. Um, and uh, just, it kind of creates a, a style on its own rather than just a rapid fire. So it's like a martial arts movie, but instead of samurai blades and, and, and swords, and it's it's guns, yeah. Exactly. And instead of high kicks and uh, uh, you know stuff, so so theoretically, if Shatner instead of doing his uh, flying kick was you know <laughs> had it, two phasers and was shooting at people, 
that could be gun fu. It's definitely some of the visual signifiers of the uh, gun fu style, where you have you know a, you know, a, a, a pistol in each hand and slow motion and jumping through the air and and so uh, I dropping have to tell your you magazines guys out. That you know, it's it's funny. I I love you know gun fu probably. I don't know if I would say more than anybody on the planet, but it, but at least as much as anyone on the planet. Uh, you know, I, I cut my teeth on um, on a lot of those films, but I won't name because uh, they might come up later in the mm. discussion. But I do want to talk for a moment about dual-wielding Glocks. So I did a little research for, for this uh, particular episode of our podcast. Research beyond the, the kind of research that we normally do. <laughs> Yesterday, I fully acculturated as a Texan, and I went to a gun range. <laughs> and I met up with a friend, and I got to shoot his Glock. Mm. Let me tell you something. Um, it, the, the, the sheer, like, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know, like, how your body needs to be muscled in order to, like, to fully control, like, two Glocks and hit your target while jumping. But I'm pretty sure I don't want to meet that person uh, ever because it is hard enough like staying on target with like with two hands. Now I'll have more to report like from this adventure, um, particularly as it pertains to um, to some particularly famous uh, um, gun fu stars of the uh, American persuasion as we get on with the show. Um, but I just thought that I would I would throw that in <laughs> that my dedication to this podcast is such that I actually went and handled the weapons myself, and I am here to report. I love it, but it's bullshit. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I I, uh, I grew up around guns. Uh, my my father was a hunter and a and a firearm enthusiast, and we would go to the range. He was John Houston. Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> haven't revealed that before. Well, my, my dad was more into the uh, historic guns, so we were typically shooting revolvers and lever-action rifles and things like that. But yeah, the 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 recoil on a, you know a forty-five caliber uh, pistol is is something else, and you know trying to keep on target, just shooting a you know firing around every couple of seconds is hard enough, you know, using two hands. But I can't imagine having one of those in each hand. With the recoil, you'd be just going all yeah, <laughs> and diving. <laughs> and I would say I abhor guns, but I actually love them in movies. <laughs> I love them in fa fake guns are fine in in movies. <laughs> don't don't like them so much in real life. I'm not going to pick Bowling for Columbine as my film. I will tell you that <laughs> uh, because this God. is about the 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 fun of 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 the balletic nature of. It's gun fun. Fu. Fu. It's, it's fun. Fu. Today should be fun. Fu. And speaking of gun. Fu, pick up my new book. <laughs> they shouldn't have killed his dog, which comes out hardcover and digital on July 19th. This is the complete story of gun. Fu, the complete uncensored ass kicking oral history of John Wick gun. Fu and the new age of action. And I think you're going to dig it. You should check it out. It could be the final installment in the Altman Gross oral history saga. Are you running out of things to oralize? I am. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't really, you know, I've, I've only, all the books we've done are subjects that I'm interested in personally. 
And I thought we were kind of done with Star Wars. And then the publishers came to us and asked, you know, how do you feel about doing a book about like John Wick? And I wanted to broaden it to Gun Fu. And they said, yes. And, you know, I said, OK, <laughs> make us an offer. And, 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 uh, and they and, said, what's uh, Gun Fu? And we said, uh, you know, everybody loves gun fu tonight. And everybody um, was gun fu fighting. Yeah, it was it was very <laughs> we were wearing chunging on the whole thing. And so uh based on that, um we wrote it, but I'm kind of like done because I mean Star Trek, James Bond, Galactica, John Wick, you know, uh yeah, you know, especially in terms of like commercial franchises. You know, because people from time to time, they'll suggest something like, oh, well, you know, why don't you do uh, Space 1999? And it's like, because it'll sell 12 copies. I mean, <laughs> there's no way, you know, it's like, not only that, there's some wonderful books, including David Hirsch's new book about Space 1999. So it's like, but, you know, people suggest these things. It's great. It's like, you, you labor under the false assumption I do this out of personal interest and not out of um, shameless capitalism. I say <laughs> it has to be, it has to be, you know, something that's commercial. Uh, you know, it's going to sell, you know, because otherwise it's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, self-published and that's uh, good luck with that. I was going to suggest Monty Python, but then I realized you're not a particular fan of uh, Python. You know, I'm not well versed in the Python. Yeah. Not at all. It's just strange to me. I know, but maybe I'll do a Woody Allen book, but the problem with that is it's not going to be enough of an advance. Can't can't do it. Can't do it, Sally. Um, Okay. Anyway. But we're very excited about Gun Fu this week on the on the old show on the 430 movie here. And uh, I think it's going to be a very eclectic group of pictures because it is a very malleable description, as Steve suggested before. It's an elastic description. So it's kind of like, you know, we may even be arguing as to what constitutes a Gun Fu movie. And that may come into play on Friday, but we won't know until we hear everybody's picks like Cloak (laughs) and Dagger, for instance, or is, is Gotcha. A gun movie, probably not. So um, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna look over at uh, Steve Melching on Monday, and he's gonna tell us his pick for Gun Fu Week here on the Four Thirty Movie. Well, my my pick, uh, I would consider it a Gun Fu movie. It may not fit the particular uh, definition, but hell, I'm gonna go with it because I think it's a terrific movie. Uh, it's a movie the title of which translates uh, precisely from the. Uh, from the original uh, Cantonese, I believe, as a pair of blood-splattering heroes. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, it has features one of my favorite movie taglines of all time. One bad hitman, one tough cop, and 10,000 bullets. Yep. I am, of course, referring to John Woo's seminal 1989 film, The Killer. A lethal assassin, burdened by conscience in a dangerous world. His only way out, a deadly assignment with a hidden secret. Now betrayed by the only code he ever knew and haunted by visions of a violent past. His only hope for redemption is a friendship which could cost him his life. Uh, written and directed choice. by John Woo, uh, produced by Choi Hark, uh, starring Chow Yun Fat, uh, Danny Lee, and Sally Ye. Uh, it's uh, not the first of the gu- uh, the Gun Fu style movies. Uh, 
John Woo had made a couple of films prior to that that might fit into that category that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but uh, this one was probably the first one to break through to an international audience. Uh, it played film festivals, including uh, Sundance. Uh, it got a global release uh, and um, became pretty uh, pretty popular uh, worldwide uh, to the point that Criterion uh, put it out on not only Laserdisc, but also DVD. Unfortunately, it is not available long currently. Out yeah. <laughs> long out of print. They put it, didn't put it out on Blu-ray. I can only speculate that the reason why is, I don't know, it might have something to do with rights issues, might have something to do with finding decent film elements for these mm -hmm. films is really difficult. I think they're, um, I don't think there's just good quality uh, negatives or prints available to make you know, high definition uh, transfers. It's one of the reasons I still have my Laserdisc player and my Laserdisc yeah. for that and some other film. Unfortunately, very, uh, I never, yeah, I have the, I have my uh, Laserdisc of this film, but I never bought the DVD. So I think I was waiting for a Blu-ray that never came. Uh, I did buy another one of John Woo's Criterion uh, Gun Fu films on DVD, but uh, that we may talk about later. But uh, mm -hmm. so for those of you who haven't seen this film, and that's probably an awful lot of you because it's not particularly available. Uh, it's a it's a pretty straightforward uh, crime story about Chayun Fat playing a, a triad assassin who uh, accidentally blinds a, a nightclub singer during uh, a shootout. And uh, he feels great remorse and guilt over it and develops a relationship with the singer and, and kind of puts down his guns. He retires from being a hitman until he learns that uh, there's an operation that can potentially restore the singer's sight. So he agrees to take one last job to, to raise the money to do it. And of course, everything goes downhill from there. Uh, the, the police inspector played by Danny Lee gets on the case and there's double crosses and, and, and other hitmen and, and triad gangsters. And uh, it's just a really stylish, fun, kind of twisty uh, action movie. Uh, a story of, uh, you know, themes of honor and, and friendship and betrayal where, you know, two men on opposite sides of the law coming together to battle a greater evil. Uh, John Woo had said that he was, inspired to make this movie by the old mad magazine spy versus spy uh, ah. comics he loved the idea of the the you know the blackbird spy and the white bird spy he obviously was very influenced by jean-pierre melville oh yes and films absolutely. like Les, Sam Les samurai so oh, while yes. it's cute to say mad magazine you know you see the french noir films have a huge influence on and, and he openly admits that, you know, he, he cites Melville and, and Le Samurai and also Martin Scorsese and Mean Streets mm. uh, as big influences uh, on this particular film. So um, it, it also features uh, the first use of one of John Woo's signature visuals, the, the birds, white doves. The, the, white doves, <laughs> the white birds flying out. Um, and it's glorious yeah. the first time that you that you see it. Yeah. It's um, such a great movie. And I remember, you know, in the early 90s, coming to California, buying my first Laserdisc player, you know, buying that at Ken Cranes or, you know, uh, what was the other place we went to? Uh, not Laser Blazer, which was, I think I might have gotten a Laser Blazer, but there was the other place we'd go for Laserdisc sales. Down in Orange but, County? or No, that was Ken Cranes, but there was Dave, the one Dave off Blazer? The, yeah, but, but, but not Ken Cranes. I'm talking about, um, it wasn't Dave Laser. It was the one out in the valley. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, you remember yeah. that that sale we used to right. go to, like right. by like um oh god, out in all Agura. the way <laughs> down in Agura. Yeah, what was that place? I don't even remember anymore. It'll come like, to me in about three minutes. Because there were two great sales. It was the Ken Cranes set once a year sales or twice a year, and then there was the other big sale, right. which was that place in Agora Hills or whatever, Westlake Village or whatever. And that was a great sale too. Yep. But that place was smaller. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, smaller and they had no signs. And they had no signs, exactly. Because it was like an AV place that sold like AV equipment, but they yeah. also sold laser discs. But they also did these great sales. You and show we, up at nine o'clock in the morning and there'd already be a line of people. Oh, we'd get, get there in. much earlier than 9 a.m. <laughs> and there'd still be a line. Yeah. You, you really had to come prepared. And then we would do shopping and we'd all walk out and then uh, we'd go to the Toys R Us. And 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 I think out there, we didn't go to Arby's. Ken Cranes, we'd go to Arby's. Ken Cranes, we'd go to Arby's. But the place out there, I think it was like Applebee's or something. Or, you there know, was a Chili's. Mexican place, too, that we would go to sometimes for, it was, for see, we remember, Yeah, right. There's going to have ads for that all through the, the movie. Evol- Evolution. Evolution, evolution, laser to sale. That's right. This is all before your time, Ashley. Yeah, and um, I missed all the good stuff. Oh, and it is chronicled in Free Enterprise uh, in, right. in some regards. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was awesome. So the point being, like, to come out here and have all these like-minded individuals, and this was the time where you'd go see these things, the new art, and all these revival because the Hong Kong era, you know, like early '90s, like Hong Kong films were the big thing. Every it's like. It was a killer. Obviously, another film that we're going to talk about, you know, Bullet in the Head. A lot of these felt better tomorrow. The, I mean, and a lot of it had to do with um, uh, Quentin Tarantino popularizing them mm-hmm. when he did um, Reservoir Dogs. But um, and Robert was, Rodriguez, he, they were yeah. super influential on the whole. But anyway, I think we're getting ahead of yeah, ourselves. Say, yeah. are, there, are there any other <laughs> okay, okay, titles exactly. we would like to list as, as like, while we're at it? What do you think of Steve's pick? Um, I think it's brilliant. The uh, the only thing I would add to what Steve had to say about it is the thing that I think is this is the secret to the movie's power. It is the relationship between Chow Yun Fat, his character, and the singer, and frankly, the cop and the singer. Um, there is something that is quite lovely about it because it turns the story into it's not it, it, it truly is a redemption story, and it's. What gives the movie its tension is that he has, he's keeping the secret. And the secret is he's the man who cost her her sight, right? That he is the person who changed her life forever and ruined it. There is a a terrific, absolutely terrific scene that's basically a duel between the cop and the hitman with the blind girl in the middle. And they both know that they're keeping the secret. They are both trying to protect her in their own way. And they are hiding the truth from her, even as they are jockeying for position and giving each other sort of cute pet names like Mickey Mouse uh, as they're they're moving around. And um, it's just it's it's sentimental, I think, in the in the best possible way. Um, And you realize that the that the emotional climax of that movie isn't going to be that, you know, that you're going to shoot a lot of guns and some doves are going to pop up behind you in a church, which is awesome and beautiful. The emotional climax of that movie is the truth comes out. It's the thing that you're afraid of. Yeah. Right. And it's the thing that kind of sets you free. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. I think it's probably John. Well, I'm not going to say that it's John Woo's, uh, most, uh, kind of heartfelt and emotional. Cause I think that at his best, um, that's just a, 
That's a thing that he does in his films. But I think like in Broken killer, Arrow. Yeah, which is <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it is it's it's real in the killer because it's it's a very simple, unadorned story. Um, and I haven't seen that many white doves since a Prince video. <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot to mention his director of photography on the movie, Peter Powell, went on to do mm -hmm. uh, win an Oscar for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And uh, the, the killer was attempted to be remade, uh, attempted to do an American version a couple of times over the years, uh, most recently, just a few years ago. And now it's apparently back on track to be a limited series for mm -hmm. Peacock of all oh, places, uh, directed by John Woo. He's coming back. Well, to, uh, okay. Well, then suddenly, like my interest went to like, oh, okay. Yeah, he heard Peacock, and it went. Woo, and he heard <laughs> John Woo. Like, how do they say screw you in Hollywood? I know a guy at Peacock. Yeah, right? it, I mean, it, it, it's so sad because you know John Woo just was this amazing Hong Kong director, and then him and Chow Young Fat come to America, and everything that was great about them you know, got siphoned off, except for John Woo did have, we'll talk about, but, um, you know, one, one brilliant movie in America, but, but um, it was just so sad to see what happened with Chow Young-Fat, who was one of the great movie stars of all time. Oh yeah. So great. Yeah. I've long maintained that the perfect film must have Chow Young-Fat in it. I'm not saying that Chow Young-Fat is in a perfect film, but I am saying that if there is ever a perfect film, Chow Young-Fat must be well it's not cast. too late it's not too late <laughs> you can late. still do this kids we can't have any chalyan fat shaming <laughs> by the way we did our star trek five commentary this week did and we? afterwards i decided i was i reached out to lawrence luck and bill i, I want to try and get him on the trek sports because dude we need a little side box. Share your pain. We need him to, we need him to share his pain. I should have said that. Share his pain with That's us. That's funny. Okay. Gain strength to the sharing. Well, Steve, Monday, fantastic pick. Not entirely unexpected, obviously, to have John Wu represented at Gun yep. Fu. He is, the, in a way, the father of Gun Fu. Um, so that brings us to Tuesday and Darren Docterman. Tuesday, uh, I bring you something from the point of view of someone who not only didn't know what gun fu was, but has probably never seen many of the films that are going to be mentioned this week. Um, I, uh, I, never, I never was drawn to it. I never was uh, uh, exposed to it, only in the fact that uh, whenever I saw someone who had a poster of the killer in their living room, or uh, uh, who, who made a reference to it in their films, uh, they were obviously uh, uh, standing out as someone who was really with it and really cool and really knew it. Um, so that was sort of my exposure to, to that. And I, I, I resisted for a long, long time. Um, suffice it to say that uh, I don't know a lot about the films in this genre, but I do know that a lot of uh, filmmakers have been heavily influenced by it, and it has fed their work uh, to, uh, to a great extent. And, uh, of course, one of the most uh, public and popular uh, exposures of this uh, happened in 1999. Uh, with the Wachowskis and their uh, magnum opus that I, I don't think has been uh, has been topped by either them or anywhere anyone else, uh, mm. 
their trip into the uh, inner uh, inner soul and uh, computer world and uh, and uh, evidence of existence, the Matrix. you were so sure was real what if you were unable to wake from that dream how would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world what is happening to me the answer is out there neo it's the question that drives us what is the matrix the Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we are the cure. Get me the hell out of here! Welcome to the real world. So you're here to save the world. So what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. Because Kansas is going bye-bye. And uh, it is a really a hybrid of so many genres mixed into this uh, uh, this machine that they created that is spitting out all the things that they loved when as they were developing. Uh, you know, superhero movies, kung fu movies, uh, shoot 'em ups. Uh, 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 you know, a, uh, uh, martial arts. Um, uh, science fiction, mystery, uh, monsters, uh, uh, intrigue. Uh, it's, it's such a creative hybrid of all of this stuff. And, you know, obviously everyone's probably already seen it, but you have to look deeper to see what the uh, antecedents of it are and to see all these, uh, all these various genres that they've cribbed from to create this world um it's uh incredibly uh uh beautiful in an ugly way uh it's uh incredibly uh, uh recognizable now that uh, we have lived with it for 25 years um it is uh 
a really cool story when you think of what is actually going on in it. And the, the symbolism in it is also interesting as you sort of take apart the pieces that make up the story of, uh, of Mr. Anderson or Neo. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> and uh, the, the reveal of uh, Hugo Weaving as one of the great actors that no one had known about uh, is really great. Uh, I really wish they had gone with him as the new Spock because uh, he would have been absolutely freaking perfect. Uh, well, your people are dead already. That's right. <laughs> but, but it's funny because he uh, sort of patterned his, uh, his uh, vocal uh, style in that movie on two people, on Leonard Nimoy and Carl Sagan. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, and, and once you know that... You see two people here, filled with yeah. billions upon billions of... Sorry. <laughs> and it's, 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 once you know that little secret that he kept, uh, it's really fascinating. We'll never be able to watch the movie again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Anderson, you are nothing in the outside <laughs> world. You are here with a mere existence, and you... Cannot exist without us. It, it's just, I, I love there it. is Stop. another form of life that exhibits the <laughs> a virus. <laughs> <laughs> All the supporting players are great. Uh, Joey Pants as the oh, uh, Joey Pants. Joey Pantoliano as the uh, as the the traitor. <laughs> um, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Look, if you, haven't seen, if you haven't seen this movie, it's still interesting, even if you know everything that happened. Darren, it's yeah. such an old movie. It came out yeah, twenty three years ago, it's like before the year two thousand. Yeah, that's correct. So Just old. like old. Was that and, before Titanic look, or after Titanic? If you if you take away the green, it's black. It's practically black and white. So. <laughs> <laughs> So the, boy, Bill Pope shot the hell out of that movie. Oh yeah. my God, it looks it looks amazing. Uh, of course, Keanu Reeves, who we might hear about later, is phenomenal. Luminous. He is. I mean, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he is a he is a uh, a nondescript uh, Superman who. Uh, is completely uh, baffled by his existence and everything sort of sneaks up on him until he is the chosen one. And it's amazing to see his uh, journey uh, while not changing one bit. And I, I, I find it fascinating to watch his performance. Uh, the great Lawrence Fishburne, whom uh, you saw at age 15 in Apocalypse Now, um, is uh, is great. He is uh, mysterious, and he is uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. I just the same thing. He is what mysterious, mysterious and ookie all together. Indeed, and um, But look, the the whole the whole setup of it is it's dirty, it's slimy, it's um, Australian. The, the real world is something you wouldn't want to fight for, and yet they do. Um, because living in the matrix is not bad once you know the rules. So, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It took, it took, uh, uh, everybody by surprise. No one could see this coming. 
the train did not make any noise as it uh, sidled up uh, against us. Um, it's uh, really well done and so many iconic pieces of imagery in it. Um, I heartily recommend it. Even if you've seen it before, look at it again with new eyes because uh, it is gun food. And it totally holds up. Um, you know, I, uh, I watched it with, with Caden, who really loved it. Um, and then it was amazing that, you know, even 22 years later, they still couldn't top it. I mean, yeah. we can talk about that movie all we want, but, um, Let's but not. It's, it's great. I mean, and it's great to the point where I remember the Super Bowl ad and thinking, this is going to be stupid. Even though the Super Bowl ad, actually, if you look back at it now, you're like, it's pretty good. Um, but we were coming off of Johnny Mnemonic, which you can barely say, and I could barely watch. <laughs> um, it, it was just awful. And, I and the lawnmower, man. Right, yeah. and it just cyberpunk movies didn't work. I went to see it like in the middle of the day with a with a buddy. We were we were working on like it was I was in a different life. I was a contractor then. We had a model that was just running. It was thinking about computer stuff, and so we went to see a movie. We went to see The Matrix, and we're sitting there. We expected nothing, and about halfway through the movie, I turned to my friend and I said, "Is it just me? Am I crazy, or is this like the best fucking movie I've ever seen?" <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, yeah, it's great. It's just, it really snuck up um, in so many different ways. There's one thing I want to, I want to point out that is that it's a little bit meta. It goes back to my research and it has to do with Keanu Reeves. Um, things that people do not, pre- do not appreciate about Keanu. And I'm sure if there are other movies that we're going to talk about in the genre, we can talk about this more. Um, but he has legit, no kidding, gun handling skills. Uh, one of the weapons that I fired when I was uh, when I was doing my research was a pump action 12 gauge Mossberg shotgun. And uh, one that it basically it loads from the bottom um, and you can take you know one round, you kind of slip it into the bottom, you then you kind of you, you put more in there, you kind of make their make sure they're all together and then you start you know doing the pump action whatever and firing. Keanu Reeves somehow he does this thing, and you can watch him do it, um, and there's video of him doing it where he turns the shotgun over. He has four rounds in his hand. He somehow has four rounds in his hand, slips them in, flips it, pumps it, and then he's firing. And he just does it like he's a goddamn professional. And it sounds like a little thing, right? Like, well, like who cares? You know, It's the power of cinema. You can make any of that work. But it's just one of those. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that just shows this attention to detail as a performer that really makes him stand out in films like this. He is one hundred percent believable in this movie in a way that he wasn't in Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like he is just—he's great. He's watchable. You believe him as an everyman, and then when he swings into action, for my money. Um, under the right circumstances, he is a far better action hero uh, than Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, any of those guys ever were. Um, because it's it's not just about that sort of physical power and presence. He projects a certain um, confidence and a certain there's a there's a tangibility to him that you get and you just you believe him. He's both vulnerable 
and he's a badass all at the same time. So this is me worshiping at the Church of Keanu. His career is so fascinating because, of course, you know, when people think about Keanu, you know, for a long time, he was kind of the butt of the joke in like Dangerous Liaisons and Dracula, people feeling he was completely miscast because, you know, they thought of him as the guy in the river's edge, you know, like kind of weird stoner. Bill and, Bill and you know, Ted, the you know, stoner. And, Ted, yeah. and, and then he just was completely transformative. And I think really it was speed that started that. And then, you know, he, he was smart enough not to do the sequel, you know, which was really smart. And, um, you know, he just, everyone who, you know, who's worked with him, they say not only is he one of the nicest guys in the world, but he commits 110%. And what he's pulled off in the John Wick movies, um, you know, in his mid 50s, you know, that what he's able is extraordinary in terms of the physical action. And I think that that's one of the things that people are so impressed by, you know, that it, you know, it's not all the CGI nonsense. Obviously, there is some, but, that it is a a person doing these stunts, doing this gunplay, and and it's it is it's like a dance, it's like a ballet, it's it's gun fu, and you can read more about it in <laughs> They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog, the new book from Ed Gross and Mark Altman from St. Martin's and Press. You know, you know what else is impressive about him? I I actually own one of his costumes from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It's a long story, but uh, there was a time when it fit me perfectly, and I wore it on Halloween a couple of times. It does not fit me perfectly now, uh, but I bet it still fits him perfectly. Yeah, but you know, the Marty McFly uh, uh, Back to the Future 2 outfit still fits you perfectly. And that's probably <laughs> even better. That's just because the arms are so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great pick. Look, we all love The Matrix. Uh, Ashley and I talked about this at length with you on the uh, Trexpert's Holiday Countdown. I mean, I remember going to see that screening at Warner Brothers. You know, and we thought, oh, you're right. This is Lawnmower Man or or or, or Tron 2.0 or whatever, and had no expectations for this at all, and came out of that as true believers. You know, spreading the gospel of the Matrix, and it's a good thing they never made any sequels because that movie stands alone, <laughs> much like the cheese. Well, so. the, the Wachowskis did essentially what George Lucas did, where they, you know, they were able to combine all of these genres and all these elements into something new that was just greater than the sum of its parts. Yep. I think it's as close as you get to the groundbreaking nature of the original Star Wars. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. You know, it's so groundbreaking. Yep. So, okay. So that's fantastic. Tuesday is the Matrix, a perfect um, uh, selection for Gun Fu. Um, so now that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley and Miller. And this, this week is right in your sweet spot. So it'll be very interesting to see what your pick is. So the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. <laughs> uh, as we all know, uh, Wednesday can be many things. And generally, we, we think of it as, oh, well, it's Ashley Gets Weird Week. It's Ash Wednesday. It's, uh, it's Ashley Goes Out of the Box Week. But I think sometimes what Wednesday needs to be, when we talk about like these particular genres that I love as, as much as I love them, um, Wednesday should be Deep Dive Wednesday. Or uh, it, selections that you may not think about inside of a genre that are, that are worth a watch. So for Wednesday, um, we are going to go back to the John Woo well, uh, back to the, uh, to the Hong Kong era. And um, the selection is actually not, look, he's got a lot, he made a lot of great movies in that era. We'll talk more about those specific titles when we get to, to Friday. Um, this is one of his, it may be his only sequel that he directed. 
although it had another sequel that he did not direct. Um, I am talking about uh, 1987's A Better Tomorrow 2. Before Reservoir Dogs. Before Pulp Fiction. Shook the world of action cinema in the original A Better Tomorrow. Now, Hong Kong Legends proudly presents the explosive bullet-ridden sequel A Better Tomorrow 2. Mavericks John Woo and Troy Hark take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. <laughs> Chow Yun Fat, Leslie Chung, and T Long. Better tomorrow, too. So, uh, I'll just be blunt. A better tomorrow, too, on a on a plot level, is it is essentially a remake of the first movie. It's an attempt to cash in, frankly, on the incredible financial success for a Hong Kong film of A Better Tomorrow, which is a terrific film, which introduced a lot of the uh, the other. Um, things that we this for the the iconography of of John Woo. It, it doesn't have the doves, but it does have uh, you know Chow Yun Fat wearing a trench coat, dual wielding and killing a lot of people, and it's awesome. Um, there's a, a lot of great action scenes. It's incredibly emotional. People like yelling and crying and shooting and dying like simultaneously inside of the scene. It's amazing. A Better Tomorrow Two is set like two years after. The, uh, the first one after the, the cop opera of the first A Better Tomorrow, uh, Chow Yun-Fat's character from A Better Tomorrow has, he died, spoiler alert, he is, he's, he's dead in the context of A Better Tomorrow 2. And I have to talk about it to give context for it because it's, it's obviously the sequel. Um, and it is, it's about uh, old, um, old associations come back to haunt some of these characters uh, who were criminals. In the, in the first movie and found some redemption. And they're asked to get back into the old life. And getting back into that old life uh, ruins the ones that, that they've built. It, it, it forces choices on them um, about their connection to family, their loyalty to friends, um, what they owe. Um, the, the plot takes a wild-ass turn uh, the, required to get them to New York City to meet the twin brother of Chow Yun-Fat's character uh, from A Better Tomorrow, just so that they can have Chow Yun-Fat in essentially the same role (laughs) in this movie. And it's silly and ridiculous, but it's also completely necessary. Um, There's some great action scenes in it. But the reason why I have picked A Better Tomorrow 2 is not because I think it is um, sort of the best showcase for John Woo as a, a storyteller in the sense of um, 
his his commitment to the emotion of his of his characters or like the sort of the, the way that like he 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 creates these very emotional uh you know bullet ridden operas it is a very particular sequence that i think is one of the great gunfu sequences ever committed to film period hands down and basically every movie that we're going to talk about owes something to this sequence including the matrix you know we're going to need guns lots and lots of guns like when they go like to assault the tower in the matrix that se- that sequence cannot exist or would not exist had this scene not happened in a better tomorrow too and i'm talking about a scene where our three main characters, including Chow Yun-Fat, basically, they're on a revenge kick, man. It's like they're bringing the whole house down. Um, they assault a compound that is owned by the, uh, the criminal who is at the heart of this story, intent on killing him and wrecking shop as much as possible. It has gunplay. It has katanas. It has fist fights. It has everything. It is, it is the bloodiest, most insane, beautifully rendered, like 25 minutes of can you effing believe it carnage uh, that I've ever seen. Um, and in, in its own way, it, it defined um, a, a lot of what this genre has, has become. Um, it defined a lot of what John Woo did later. I, I think that sequence was in some ways a rough sketch for a, a lot of the scenes that he created um, for other movies that came afterwards in his oeuvre uh, and that people like the Wachowskis have, have, uh, have reached down and kind of and, and grabbed and picked up and, and, and used in different contexts. Um, Anyway, it, the movie is great. It's totally worth a watch. It's um, it's it's a very fast watch. Uh, it's it's got all of the the John Woo style that you that you would love. Um, it's fun to watch Chow Yun Fat, all of that. But the reason why you're paying the money, assuming you can find it, uh, is for that like the A team. That the A team is for that third act. That third act is what you're there for. It is why your butt is in the seat. And it is why A Better Tomorrow 2 is my pick for Wednesday. Hmm. Great. I mean, yeah, I, I, you're, you're, uh, you really made me want to revisit it. I've only seen it once because uh, it, it, it's not the easiest film to see. I, I, I saw it at a, um, a, uh, a Hong Kong film festival, you know, at either the New Art or the uh, American Cinematheque probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, when the when the uh, Hong Kong craze was in full swing here in Los Angeles, and yeah, I remember it being a terrific movie. I have to say, Ashley, that uh, I think this week is is special because you are the one that is fully inside and filling up every corner of the box. <laughs> That's so, so true. That's true. This is very much an Ashley week, and I'll tell you the way it's going; it's turning you know, into a John Woo week, which is something I want to try and avoid, which is interesting because, you know, had you guys not picked the killer and not picked better tomorrow too, I probably would have gone either with hard boiled, Mm -hmm. which obviously is brilliant and and has the virtuoso sequence in the hospital with the babies, which is, you know, one of the great 
visual tour de force scenes. Well, but then also his one great American film uh, is Face Off uh-huh. with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, which is another one of those movies like John Wick, not like John Wick, sorry, like The Matrix, where you heard about it ahead of time and you thought, oh, this movie's going to be awful. Right. It's a ridiculous premise. You know, the, the MacGuffin is absurd. Originally, it was written to be in the far future, but then they decided, you know, they're going to make it at that time contemporary. And it, it, you, you sit there and you're blown away. I mean, by how good the movie was. I mean, I remember seeing that just thinking, how, you know, this movie is, is so smart, so great. Mike Werb and Michael Carler, uh, who did such um, a, a fabulous script. And it's the performances, you know, John Travolta, you know, in back in his Pulp Fiction days where he was just, you know, could do no wrong for a while. And uh, Nicolas Cage at the height of his powers back then. It's, it's, a, it's great. But again, it's just, I don't want this to turn into the John Woo week. Um, so you know, if you say that really fast, it sounds like John Wick week. Well, I know, right? <laughs> John Wick week. But I, I, you know, and We're so waiting so, for Mr. Wu. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Orson Welles tells that story. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't show up until uh, after the intermission, but everyone's see, talking everyone, about him. Everyone's talking about him, and that's what's most important because he's on their minds during the entire film. <laughs> and I could show up after intermission. <laughs> um, you know, look, you know, I talked about earlier. Um, I love gun fu movies, even though, you know, I don't like guns. And Haywire is a movie that stars Gina Carano, who I don't like for a lot of reasons. But I like her as an actress and I love this movie, uh, Steven Soderbergh's movie. So it's like I, you know, I believe you got to like separate the art from the artist. And um, and uh, I almost went with Haywire. But you know what I'm going to go with? (laughs) I'm going to go with my pick. This was my pick. We, We talked about doing graphic novel week. And Darren keeps vetoing it. So I'm going to pick my my pick for graphic novel week this week, because I don't know if I'm ever going to get to pick it again, which is David Leach's John Wick adjacent movie, Atomic Blonde. I chose this life. And someday it's going to get me killed. Not today. Lorraine Broughton, expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. Did you know him? Enough to say hello. He had an atomic bomb of information. Find out who's hunting our operatives and trust no one. It's your content. Welcome to Berlin. I'm David. Don't shoot. I've, I've got your shoe. That was me from the moment my feet touched the ground. This was never part of the plan. It was part of mine. I've lost the target. What do you know about this woman who's been following me? You look like you need saving. So you made 
made contact with the French operative. Obviously. is ticking and everyone you get close to ends up dead someone set me up someone from the inside now this only ends one way a bullet ready for God, I think I love you. That's too bad. Hmm. Oh. I love Atomic Blonde. It's the distaff uh, John Wick. It's set during the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's loosely based on the graphic novel, novel The Coldest City, which is a terrific little graphic novel. Um, and... Uh, it's so much fun. It has this great 80s score. It has amazing action. It, it has the feel of like a funeral in Berlin on Quaaludes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, and it, it's just like, uh, it's so, you know, adrenalized and colorful and it has this great palette and is, and it, you know, in the wake of John Wick, it doesn't get the love that it deserves. But man, I just fell so hard for that movie when I saw it. And again, it's like, I'm not sure what week of the show it really fits because I'm not saying, oh, this is this great artistic triumph. But for Gun Fu Week or Graphic Novel Week, I think it fits in so well. And I, as much as I love John Wick, I don't think Atomic Blonde would exist without John Wick. But um, I'm just, you know, obviously I love the 80s. I love the music of that era. I love politics. So the whole idea of setting it against the backdrop of uh, the Cold War, the ending, and well, part one of the Cold War ending and uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's just so much fun. And she's great in it. And she definitely, get, like Keanu, just gives 110% to everything she does, uh, Charlize Theron. And uh, is is great in in the in the film. It has some cool twists and turns. I know some people couldn't quite follow it. Doesn't matter. It's just a great ride. That's a great pick. Um, I, uh, I I'm with you. It's like I I don't know that it's it's not a movie that you're saying. Wow, this is like this is one of the, the greatest films ever made. Right, right. Holy crap! Like it is. It's got so much verve and energy, um, which may be the same exact thing. And great uh, fonts. It, it, great, <laughs> it has terrific fonts. The fonts are everywhere. Yeah. Um, it has the fonts. It doesn't have the fonts. The fonts is not in this movie. Uh, well, it only has Char one letter, A. A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Charlize Theron is, is amazing in this movie. Uh, and like you said, she sells action so well. And also, she sells seashells by the seashore. Uh, no, she's, she's completely she terrific. This movie is is uh, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, it was a very pleasant surprise in mm -hmm. the theater. It was one of those that I went to see because I needed to go see something, and it was out. 
And I went to see it expecting nothing. And I was so pleasantly surprised uh, by what I got back. So I, I love this pick for Thursday. And I yeah, love that you love it. And it's interesting that David Leach and, and um, you know, Chad, who directed um, uh, uh, John Wick, Chad Stolensky stayed with John Wick. And that's what he's done. He's done all four of them now, right? Whereas David Leach went off and I think, you know, took the riskier path. You know, he did Atomic Blonde, then he did, you know, Deadpool 2. He he has Bullet Train coming out. Like, I think it's really interesting, the stuff that he's, you know, done. And like Atomic Blonde was such a passion project for him. And the fact that he, you know, he had this bizarre vision of what it should be, you know, with the music and the fonts and the craziness and and sold, you know, uh, Charlize on it. Um, and if you read the graphic novel, it's so different mm-hmm. from the uh, from the movie. And yet, at the same time, the DNA is there. So um, it's just uh, it's just a terrific, you know, adrenalized, you know, fun romp. And uh, I, like I said, it's it's funeral in Berlin, you know, on acid. And I think that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> Have you ever really looked at your handguns? And it has, you know, as far as the gun foo, it has that amazing one camera touch of evil, the player shot in the stairwell where mm-hmm. they do uh, this huge, you know, gunfight without cuts for like, you know, 10 minutes. And it's really cool. Great. Yeah, I remember really enjoying it uh, when I saw it. I, <laughs> I remember so little of it other than it was... A lot of fun and visually arresting. Um, another one I want to revisit. Now. Oh, I like that. Oh, visually right. arresting. I like that. <laughs> All right. So Okay, so that brings us to Friday. A lot on the table, boys. I, table. I have so many things I recommend. I mean, since you said David Leach, I will mention something that he produced that, and also Better Call Saul, um, a, a movie that he produced... Um, came out, uh, I want to say it was 20, it's probably 2020, might have been last year, 2021, but it's called Nobody. Oh, uh, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, and the, it's basically like... Odenkirk, it's, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Right? yeah, he's terrific. And it's he basically plays, you know, a dad who's, who's kind of a sad sack. And then you find out the dad is a metric, badass, stone-cold killer. And he has only one interest... And that is making his little girl happy, right? Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all he wants. Other than that, he just wants to be left alone. And it's it's really good. And Bob Odenkirk is really good. It's so um, funny. I got to disagree with you on this one because okay. I think it's really well directed. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Derek Kolstad. It's well written. You know, it's extremely well, you know, the acting is great, but it is literally John Wick. You know, I, I I mean, to me, it is so derivative of John Wick. And obviously that's why it got made. And it's amazing, you know, the performance that Odenkirk gives because you would never see him as an action hero. Well, that's it, the revelation it's, to me. It's yeah. thoroughly watchable, yeah. you know, so I'm not dismissing it. <laughs> but, you know, it's like for Friday. It, oh, no, no, I, it would not be my Friday <laughs> pick, but I think I, it's, I, it's I, worth I, mentioning in the in the context of this this discussion. But I would, you know, I would say if we were going to go with, say, John Wick, which really pop, you know, popularized among the mainstream uh, gun fu, uh, probably the, the most of any film since The Matrix. Um, the question is, would it be one, two or three? And I still just love one. I mean, two I and three are great, but one is the, the one. It's so clean <laughs> still the one. and elemental 
And it's just, and it's clear. It's like, it's funny because like through both of these things, I keep thinking of things my, my erstwhile writing partner has said, like Zach Stentz uh, said of nobody. He said, it's John Wick with sad dad energy. And I think that's right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> but his analysis of, uh, of, of John Wick was frankly even better. Like why the movie is so great. It's like, why, you know, why is John Wick killing everybody? Well, because they killed his dog. It's very um, clean. How do you know that the movie and isn't over they yet? They shouldn't he have killed his dog. His dog. <laughs> and how do you know the movie isn't over yet? Because he hasn't killed everyone yet. Like, that's just, <laughs> that is the power of that film. Um, mm. It's so good. That is like one of those things where if you're, if you are into the making of action movies, like some of the behind the scenes stuff that they shot, like that they have, like as the, the extras that you can see for the John Wick movies are totally worth a watch. You can totally get to appreciate Keanu and how he does his job and how he prepares and how those guys prepare and what they do to make those movies um, feel so immediate and visceral and real. So I agree with you. John Wick would totally be my pick. The, um, if we were going to go in a slightly different non-American direction that is not John Woo, uh, I would say the original The Raid uh, oh, as a yeah. pick for Friday because... But here's the thing about crap, the raid, though. Dude. That yeah. it could just as easily be martial arts week because, yes, there's gun fu, but I almost think of that more as martial arts than gun fu because there's so much martial arts in it. Well, there's there's so much of both. Everything. And that, that last <laughs> fight inside that room is yeah. just, it's bananas. It's great. But I agree with you in the sense that it is not, um, I, it's, it's not gun fu-y. Was that like a cartoon? No, that was Hong Kong Fooey. Oh, oh, right. super guy. Yeah. Uh, it's just not Fooey enough. That's why I was so scared at the in The Shining because I had seen him as Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> and I knew you know, the janitor was actually Hong Kong Fooey. Right. Number one super now, guy. Hong Kong here. So I'm like, oh my God. So he's not really, wow, wow. Uh, you know, here at the Overlook. He could be someone else. He could be. Uh, he could Who be knows? Hong Kong food. Hong Kong food for all we know. Exactly. Yeah. You like chocolate ice cream, duh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to mention brother. something. I want to mention something that, uh, that uh, opened a year before The Matrix, but I think has some of the same sort of uh, interest and roots in it. It is, again, a, a, a mixture of this Hong Kong sensibility and very American action uh, movie. Equilibrium, actually. right? No. Action no. comedy, actually. Um, and it is uh, the first Rush Hour. Oh, yeah. That's with, true. Uh, with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, debatable whether or not it's a great movie. I don't think it is. But it's certainly entertaining, and it's a good movie, and it has an interesting mix of this energy in it. And uh, I found it uh, very fun to watch the the uh, relationship between Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan is is fun to see evolving, and uh, the action is really well done. And uh, I think it's uh, it, you know if it's if it falls to me to be sort of the uh, the one to bring forward the uh, American populist version of this, uh, I think that would be one of them. But you know what? Another American populist version: uh, 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 the Weinstein's took uh, Police Story Three and turned it into Super Cop, which made right. Jackie Chan sort of really well-known here and obviously led to Rush Hour. And uh, Police Story 3 slash Super Cop is a great blend of incredible martial arts, action, gun fu, and comedy. 
and and Michelle Yo Michelle Yo is so fantastic in it, mm-hmm. and the great Maggie Chung, and um, it's it's just I I love that movie. It has some amazing action set pieces, and no one left that set unscathed. I I love. Jackie Chan, I love Jackie Chan movies. I think, like, uh, you know, he even made it work in a Western, like Shanghai Noon, which, like, just kills me every single time. Um, you know, my my issue with those for, for Friday is a little bit the same as yours with The Raid, which is that in his heart, Jackie Chan is not artist a and not He's a martial through. artist. Yeah. Um, he's a stuntman. Um, and I think that it's that it's it's heart is in a is in a slightly different place, but I love them. You mentioned Equilibrium, which I think is a, is a great pick for something like this. Almost literally, Christian Bale is in it. Um, the uh, because they refer to the way they use their weapons as their gun kata. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's gun kata, but gun kata. <laughs> you know, so they're literally doing gun fu and the thrill of the kill. Uh, wait, uh, uh, the, the excitement of martial arts, the thrill of the kill, Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you got you to gotta hear Steve Krasier talk about the joy of Jim Cotta. He it's just the Steve has, Krasier minute. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to bring next season. We have to start the Steve Krasier minute where he just muses on these movies like Megaforce and um, <laughs> Sword of Sorcerer. And thing is, every week it would be the same minute. <laughs> <laughs> but that would you know, be terrific you know, in its own way, wouldn't it? Uh, you've worked obviously with Simon Kinberg, and I, I, actually one of my favorites of his films is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, mm-hmm. which yeah. is the Angelina Jolie, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, you know, sort of spy versus spy. Um, talking about Mad Magazine, and I think that's fun. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's Kramer versus yeah. Kramer versus spy. <laughs> it's Kramer versus Kramer <laughs> with blocks. Access is a thing that I think is very particular to the genre when it when it works best, right? And you see it in. Um, you know, in in what John Woo does, you see it in um, the the Matrix. You see it like in, in any of these movies that are really they're not just about like, hey, this is a great action sequence, but there is something that's happening um, where the action represents character, or it's a stand-in for some other sort of scene, right? So, in the same way that in The Killer, you have these two characters who are kind of dueling over their relationship. Uh, with this girl, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is really about people working out their marriage, yeah, right? And like in the most effed up way imaginable, but that's why that movie stands out. It's not just the action. It's the fact that the high concept um, really serves the characters in the middle and elevates it, just like it does in the best of the of the John Woo movies. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Robert Rodriguez's later work, but you know, like Desperado and Once Upon a Time in, in or the um, Book of Mexico or Book of Boba. But I, boy, I love El Mariachi, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I saw it tell you right for the first time. And I, I think it's, that's a, a, a little great little firecracker of a movie. Um, but it's probably, you know, it's more than just gun fu, obviously. And it's probably not what we want for Friday, but I want to put that out there because he's become sort of a, you know, well-known um, practitioner of the craft when it comes to gun fu, and that uh, that title is English for the mariachi. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, because it's a play on words. It's L E L L E mariachi. It's about a girl who um, who's growing up in in Mexico. She doesn't have parents, but what she dreams of is becoming a music. No, I think that's a good pitch. However. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was just making it up. I, 
yeah, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to write that one down and yeah. I'm going to call my agent. I'll be right back. Well, look, and there's a, uh, uh, speaking of graphic novels, Wanted was a, a, mm-hmm. a great little gun fu movie that came out, what, probably 10 years ago now. Um, also, based with, yeah. you know, with Angelina Jolie and, and based on the graphic novel. Um, Is that I, the I one wonder, with the uh, bullet bending? Yeah. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on some level, the Kingsman. Yeah, I was, I was thinking say, that. The absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The queen in the, in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's a great little sequence, yeah. And, yeah. And, and never has a character been better motivated in a third act than Taron Edgerton in the third act of The Kingsman. Now, I don't know if you remember exactly what was motivating him in the third act or what his prize was, but uh, it had the benefit of never having been tried. I'm going to just encourage you to go out and, and watch the movie and go, oh, yeah. I love The Kingsman. Yeah, I like the Kingsman. I, yeah, I like all three of them. I like the first one the best, and I liked uh, the King's Man, the most recent one. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Second one was a bit much, but uh, yeah, I like the first fun. one. I didn't like the second one. I didn't see the third one. I was going to mention uh, Last Man Standing, the mm-hmm. uh, Walter Hill uh, movie with Bruce Willis, uh, based uh, sort of a Kurosawa uh, meets uh, you know gunfight action. Mm-hmm. Well, that was interesting about that movie is, I mean, that movie is, is meta on like a hundred different levels because it is a straight up adaptation of Red Harvest. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, it is on paper, you know, a, a, a remake of like, you know, um, of, uh, you know, a fistful of dollars, you know, Yo, of Jimbo, like, Yo, yeah. Jimbo of like, and, 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 it, and very consciously. So it's just, it's odd because it's just, it's the, it's an adaptation of the original material yet a remake of other adaptations. Um, it's, right. it's quite something. I don't know if it's always successful, but I will say that it's, it's interesting. Um, road to perdition on that score, by the way. Yeah. But, Boy, we but are doing graphic novel week really here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's yeah, there's yeah. a there's a big one. Uh, another mm-hmm. another film by a, a filmmaker that was clearly influenced by uh, John Woo, uh, uh, Leon the Professional. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. It's loved by everyone. Everyone. Yeah, everybody loves the Professional, and what's not to love? Um, I would still argue for uh, John Wick. I feel like yeah, uh, I think so too. I feel I, like John Wick is is sort of takes all the strands and ties it up in a nice package. I'm up. I'm up. You like that, huh? Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me? How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have good day, sir. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? 
It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? But nobody. It's John Wick. You working again? No, I'm just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I'm not afraid of John Wick. It's your laundry. No one's that good. I thought not. We yeah, love and, John and Wick's package. It, it uh, basically lets it off the leash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It lets it off the leash. And that dog was so dog cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the poor little dog. I had a beagle. Maybe and, and you look, it's a really well crafted, beautifully looking film. Um, and the, 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 the gunplay is incredible. I mean, the scene at the Red Circle, uh, mm-hmm. the nightclub that they built, which was like the spa slash nightclub. Where he goes, Yaga. Oh, so good. And it starts off when he taps him on the shoulder, take the day off. You think mm-hmm. he's going to kill the guy, and he just basically lets him walk away. And then it's just nonstop from there on out. Well, that's oh, that's yeah. another one of those movies that I went into with no expectations because it just looks goofy as hell, but it's so energetic and just relentless and stylish and fun that uh, it just carries you along and doesn't let go. Yeah, it's it's terrific, and he's he's great in it, yeah. and he's a great, interesting character. Yeah, because he could have been he's just the killer. He could have been just he's the sad killer. Um, who is like, he's when he's done with this, he will still be sad, you know, or he's just the guy who's got the code of honor. He happens to be all of these things. And there's yeah. a certain kindness and a mercy to him, right? There's a, there's a bit of, um, you know, it's the, the, the Warner brothers cartoon with like the wolf and the ship, the sheepdog. How's your mom, Ed? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the, 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 the whistle blows and they're on their lunch break and they're not <laughs> killing each other anymore. And that's John Wick. But he's you like know, all he's like, these great Melvillian characters, like in Les Samurai. But he's and like what Steve and I love the Randolph Scott westerns, you know, uh, like like you know, um, like Randolph Scott in the renowned westerns. You know, he's just this man who has a code, you know, and he, and he doesn't want to do violence, but when he's forced to it, he does it better than anybody. Yeah. And I mean, for all of us who you know follow the saga of Keanu on social media. I mean, just today there was this great story about how he's in airport coming home from England mm-hmm. and this little kid comes and starts <laughs> talking to him and he just sits there and talks to this little kid for like 20 minutes, answering all his questions, even though he's clearly exhausted and tired and, you know, and, and just like, he's just so charming and delightful. 
And but, but he he doesn't just answer the kids' questions. He starts asking the kid questions yeah. and engaging him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is just awesome. He's a national treasure. He, he really, really is. is. Yeah. And when yeah. you you know you you hear the stories about how he treats the crew and what he does for the crew, and you know the gifts that he gets them, but just the way he acts on set and his expectations, you know, of himself, uh, it's just he's just such a remarkable guy. He's a mensch. He's a he's mensch. A man, yeah. And he He's deserves to be Friday. He, he deserves does. to be Friday. He does. Yeah. Okay. Can't argue with that. Friday it is. We've lit the wick. And <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that that brings to a close our penultimate episode. But next week we're going to be back with our f- supersized finale on the films of 1982. We're going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of 1982 as we bring you a seven-day week because <laughs> five days could not contain it. We're going to bring you seven, seven days of <laughs> seven uh, brothers of 1980s, 82s finest films. And on the and seventh Ashley's day, bank. the 430 movie rest. And also Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, until then, we want to encourage you to please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the uh, program. Let other people know the show has been doing phenomenally well. We want to keep that growth going. So please, uh, you know, continue to support us as you have been. You can leave your reviews as well. Um, And then um, uh, you can also watch us on the Electric Now app, the free downloadable Electric Now app. If you want to look at our smiling faces and find out (laughs) um, how we're reacting to each other's picks um that'll be fun and of course you can see us live and in person at the uh san diego comic-con later this month we hope you'll the join marriott us. bar <laughs> or, or you can find darren steve and ashley at the marriott bar <laughs> i however i might spend more time poolside at the the marriott pool this year the marriott pool sort of much like benicio del toro in traffic <laughs> And uh, so we're excited about that. Obviously, we're going to have a couple panels. They'll be announcing. You can check that out at ComicCon.org, Comic-Con.org. And they'll have the schedule for the whole uh, the whole convention. Um, and Darren and Ashley and I will also be there with the Trexperts. So if you like that Star Trek show, come and check us out on our <laughs> Trexperts panel. Uh, where we'll be talking about that as well. But um, we want to thank uh, the great Mark Rivera, who continues to make us sound so good, even over Zoom two years later. Of course, our executive uh, sound uh, editor and producer, uh, the great Bill Ritter, Nally Miscali, Peter Holmstrom, and Zach Raggetts. Thank you to them. Uh, and uh, to you, our audience, for continuing to support the 430 movie. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun this season, and I can't believe it's almost over next <laughs> next week. And you know what we should do before next week? What's that? Is we should probably review what our picks were for this week. Yeah, well, we're going to do that. But I do want to say that, uh, <laughs> one last thing. That um, if uh, if you have picks, uh, ideas for next week, next year's, uh, next season's uh, shows, please uh, visit us on social at 430 Movie on Twitter, 430 Movie Podcast at Instagram, and on Facebook where you can suggest theme weeks for next season shows. Because, or, you know... Or you could be like Griffin Mill in The Player and keep it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So before we say goodbye, let's one more time remind us what we'll be watching this week. Gun Fu Week on the 430 movie starting on Monday with Steve Melching. 
Monday, it's a hitman, a cop, and a whole lot of bullets. Chow Yun Fat and John Woo's The Killer. On Tuesday, Darren Doctrine. Tuesday, we have the Wachowskis pastiche of East and West in an amazing conflagration that is The Matrix. East by East West. On Wednesday, it's Ashley Edward Miller. On Wednesday, I'm encouraging you to wear your raincoat to the theater for a bullet ballet uh, that will spray more blood per minute over you and your loved ones um, than you can shake a stick at. I don't know. I'm losing it, man. I think I got lost on the raincoat is what okay. happened. There's, there's just too much of a metaphor. On, <laughs> on Wednesday... <laughs> John Woo's 1987, A Better Tomorrow. On Thursday, we're going to tear down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev, with Atomic Blonde. (laughs) And on Friday, it's Keanu Reeves in John Wick, the one that started it all. And you can read more in the new book from St. Martin's Press, They Shouldn't Have Killed His Dog. Check that out in hardcover and digital wherever you get your books. So until next week, when we return with the season finale, the fifth season finale, our five-year mission is almost over. I want to thank all of you. And until next week, Eyewitness News starts now. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.